Welcome back to Gutterson Fieldhouse here in Burlington, Vermont, the campus of the University of Vermont. Merrimack and Princeton are all knotted up at 2-2 at the end of two periods. And joining me, Adam Moden from Call of Talkie News, managing editor, senior managing editor. Is that appropriate? Uh, what do you go by? You know, publisher, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But it depends on the day. It depends on who I'm talking to. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, obviously, as you know, long-time listeners here know, uh, Adam and I both work for Call of Talkie News. So does Mike McMahon, who uh, covers Merrimack. So we got uh, three, I guess, you know, three of the you know senior personnel here up in this press box here. Hopefully it doesn't collapse or uh, I don't know what will happen. My kids are underneath this press box right now. <laughs> there you go. But uh, actually, uh, interesting because not only do you work for Call of Talking News, you used to do radio for Princeton. Mark Dennehy was there. Um, uh, you know, your, your memories of the time, you know, and, and also, I should mention Glenn Stewart, too, you know, your right. your, your time in the, in, the, in the United Hockey League with Quad Cities. Uh, you must have some pretty good memories of both uh, Mark and Glenn. Oh, absolutely. Mark uh, got to Princeton, as a matter of fact, the fourth of the four years that I was going there. I, I could, I've said this before, I could tell instantaneously, really, that he was going to be a, a head coaching material. I mean, not that I'm the greatest X's and O's expert, but it's just, you know, there's guys you can just tell, never minding the X's and O's, you know. You can always, I think, tell someone who's a leader, who projects confidence, who uh, just the way someone articulates things, and really it was evident to me from the get-go. Now, Glenn Stewart, on the other hand, I don't know if I ever would have thought that when I was uh, traveling around buses to God knows where in the United Hockey League playing cards in the back of the bus, but uh, no, Glenn Stewart was always a, a great guy. I just I never got the impression he wanted to be a coach at that point, but I was uh, happy to see him get into it and uh, you know doing well because he's a, he's a great guy. Yeah, it's funny. I have to ask you. I mean, he seems so serious so much of the time now, like almost like he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders at times, and you know, I guess in, in particular, you know, if the power play is not going well, then he might feel that way even more, but uh, in the power play, he's 0 for 5 tonight, so I'm sure that he's uh, grumbling a bit down there, but uh, you know, how, how was he as a player? Uh, you know, what, what was his personality like then? Well, I was, I was just, matter of fact, I was telling my son cause, yesterday, because I was explaining to him, Glenn Stewart, you know, he's like, oh, he didn't play in the NHL. I'm like, well, you know, a lot of the guys in the minor leagues, they just one little thing that you know they don't quite have you know and Stewie uh, he wasn't the most fleet of foot but uh, he had a bomb of a shot and uh, you know he scored over 50 goals a year in that in that league and a lot you know on the power play for example he would play point a lot and, and just bombs away and you know I, he, had, he had a great release a great shot and that was his biggest signature in the uh, minor leagues you mentioned uh, you're at Princeton uh, Don Cahoon to Cahoon the, the head coach there and he's doing color now on the Merrimack broadcast so it's kind of like all these guys that you know are uh, are uh, somehow involved with Merrimack here but uh, I imagine you know Don Cahoon you've got some pretty good memories of him too oh you know <laughs> my, you know things the things that stand out the most of Don Cahoon are uh, things that I don't can't necessarily repeat <laughs> things where he just you know lost his mind a little bit but uh, you know I one of my biggest memories of, of Cahoon though with Princeton is here in this building because uh, the, the, the fourth of the four years I was at Princeton they coincided with the four years that Martin St. Louis Eric Perrin and Tim Thomas were playing for Vermont so I had a lot of great memories in this building and Vermont hadn't uh, had beaten Princeton like eight straight times until the 1997 playoffs Princeton came up here with Cahoon and beat them two out of three so uh, that, you know I, I used to love coming to this building just to see those guys play and of course I've been back here since then a number of times at Cornell and whatnot but uh, you know that's that's one of my biggest memories because Don Cahoon was so you know so thrilled to have won that series after getting pounded by Vermont so many times. 
We're talking with Adam Morton from College Hockey News. Let's talk current events. Uh, you know, we're obviously back at the hotel, having some chatting last night, today, and so on. Uh, seen an awful lot of these things happen. Players decommit, players uh, leaving schools, going to other schools, and so on. What's going on? You know, I was just looking. You mentioned earlier off the air about Mark Denny saying something about our site, so I take, took a look at College Hockey News earlier, and he's right. The top six stories in the headlines box on College Hockey News right now all have to do with players decommitting or leaving or you know some transfer some issue and you know the, it, it is happening quite a bit now you said something yesterday too though is it just because we know about it more often um, but also the you know the world of college hockey and the world in general seems to be a more and more complex place every year you go along so there is no one answer and there's no one thing that's happening you know all these different players decommitting going to different places or transferring schools or whatnot it's all for different reasons there's no one thing you can really put your finger on so i don't think there's any one thing you can do to solve it and i don't even know if really you need to solve it maybe, maybe it's just the way it is but maybe there are certain things you can look at and you can say well why are these things happening for instance you know you think back to the old days right i mean you know you and i both got started following this sport well more than 20 years ago and and uh uh, you know, back then, did you ever hear of guys committing to a school at 15 years old? No, absolutely not. And, you know, so that, that is something that has happened more and more. You know, why is that? You know, is that is that because coaches are trying to get some sort of word from a guy because they don't want them to go to major junior? Not that it matters because uh, they can just change their mind anyway. So I'm not sure how much it helps. So, I, you know, obviously if you commit a kid earlier and earlier, there's more of a chance in those, you know, three intervening years that they're going to change their mind or something will happen. So maybe that's just what it is. I mean, that's the sort of, you know, you, you make your own problem by uh, by getting into that kind of situation. And, you know, I, I always say, like, the part of the issue with Major Junior, it's, it's annoying and it's, and it's, you know, everyone's trying to figure out how to beat Major Junior and stop these players from... But I, I try to look at it the other way, too. Like, if college hockey is having such a war with Major Junior, maybe that means they're on somewhat equal footing, which you could never have said 30 years ago. That's true. That's true. I mean, the other thing, too, you know, you, I mean, like you said, there's so many different aspects of it. You know, you get the advisors getting involved, you know, the uh, pseudo-agents, not really agents, not officially, you know, connected. But still, you know that they're they're in there working behind the scenes in some ways. And, and uh, I mean, there's, there's so many aspects to it, it seems, that we, I mean, think 20 years ago advisors did we I mean did it even exist i don't know it's, it's probably the same issue you know there's so much competition and so many options for players now that they feel like they need somebody and then you know other people have one so they got to have one and to keep up and you know the, the advisor thing is kind of the biggest joke there is you know and uh, because they're they're they basically are agents just not getting paid yet but uh, then again, is that a bad thing? I mean, that a kid has a you know a professional that's able to consult with them. It, the only issue is you know when there's a shady one, obviously, and who knows which ones are and which ones aren't. But there are shady people in every profession. So who's to, who's to say? And those are the ones where you really should try to zero in on and, and do something about. But you know the guys who who commit one place and then they're working deals on the side with some other school. You know, and that's the one that really actually bothers me the most. The one where a player commits to a school and then all of a sudden he has like this 
great, you know, last year of junior. And he said, ah, well, I'm not, not going to go there because I'm too good for them now. You know, and I think back to a guy like Martin St. Louis, for a matter, as a matter of fact, is always an example I go back to since we're here in Vermont because him and Eric Perrin committed to Vermont at a time when they weren't that good. You know, he could have they could have gone to Maine. They had all these other options. They decided, no, let's go to Vermont. We're, we're, we'll turn them around, and they did. So, you know, he didn't decommit or anything like that. Well, what you described is basically what happened with Wade Murphy. He was committed to Merrimack and then ends up in North Dakota. I mean, so uh, right. th- those types of situations, I mean, do you want to see a case where, where you know, you've got the schools, I mean, schools end up committing because the school's committing as well to the player and saying, yes, we'll take you, even though we can, nothing can be signed yet, we'll, we'll, we'll take you now and, and so on. And then, uh, you know, the player, like you said, all of a sudden, you know, breaks out and then everybody realizes what a great player he is and, and then, uh, you know, well, yeah. well, guess what? I'm going to go to, you know, North Dakota, for example. Well, there's something to be said for loyalty and commitment, and even even as a 16-year-old, I like to think I had those kind of values. But you know, then again, all walks of life in society these days, you can say that uh, those kinds of things are out the window. And then, and then people could also say, on the other hand, schools do this, that, and the other thing, and maybe they're not as loyal. So. You know, so here's the thing. I mean, so here's what it comes down to. Does it have to be some kind of an agreement? To, I, mean, I mean, there was this agreement about the verbals, you know, hands off with regard to. Does it need to be? Do we need to take it a step further and say, okay, look, we're not going to do this anymore. There've been so many issues with the, these young kids committing and then changing their minds or whatever happens. And you know, and in some cases, even the schools might say, you know, they the school committed to a kid at 15 and then maybe at 17 or 18 decide, well, you know, you're not the, you're not that good after all, so we don't want you. I mean, does it have to be some kind of agreement that you know, maybe they're going to move things a little more, more closer to the, the, the letter of intent that, you know, if, you, if there is going to be a verbal, it's not going to be at that young. I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to see it be the Wild West, you know, but I don't know how you... It can, is now. Yeah, well, but I, I mean, I don't... It, without any sort of verbal agree, deal, you know, sort of morals, there, I guess, if, if that was totally out, of, out the window, it would be even worse. But, um, I, I don't you know, for some extent, it's like, like I said, if you're going to commit, so to speak, to a player at 15, 16, you got to have to know what you're getting yourself into when that happens. So, you know, in some cases, in some ways, I don't even feel sympathy in that in that sense. You know, I don't want to see guys trying to pilfer everybody's players, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's because they're committing so much earlier that, the, that more there's more margin for this kind of stuff to happen. So I don't know if there's an answer there. All right, we can go on for a long time on this. Maybe we'll do it again some other time. we got to make it a call and talk to you podcast. More roundtable. There you go. All right, Adam, good to see you. Happy holidays. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, thank you. Adam Morton been our guest here from Call of Talkie News. The score, 2-2 two to two after 2. John and I are back for the third period right after this on WGAM The Game.